Welcome. You're listening to the Grow Ortho Podcast, presented by HIP. This podcast is dedicated to orthodontists who want to stand strong in their market and be leaders in their community. Now, on to today's show. My name's Luke. I'm one of the co-founders at HIP. We started about nine and a half years ago. Um, and this is Harrison, and he's going to kind of intro and ice break everything we're going to talk about this evening. So thanks for coming. I want to kick it off this way. I want to kind of get a sense of the room. We'll keep it pretty casual today. Let's make this kind of conversational. I'm sure you guys sit in plenty of lectures all day. I do not want to make it that vibe. Um, but just to kind of get a sense, who here, show of hands, is thinking about at some point, whether it's right out of residency or a little ways down the road, starting their own practice and or being a practice owner through acquisition? A lot. Awesome. Cool. That's cool. We've gone and done about 12 residency talks now, and not a lot of people are like thinking about going into practice ownership. So if you guys are, <laughs> bingo. Uh, so well, of, we're, we're all a paid program, so a lot of people have a lot more debt than we do. Ah, okay. That's what I Good to know. I don't, it was somebody over here was talking, I don't know, it might have been you or you, but like, I don't know what it's like at Monty, but like really virtually not a lot of like business marketing stuff in school. Is that the case at Monty as well? Like very, yeah, we got just a, a little taste, a little skosh. Our program director is sold three practices. So ah, be, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so cool. Well, focus for today is for anybody that is thinking, wanting, desiring, going into practice ownership, whether that be through de novo or through acquisition, you know, what are the things that you should be thinking about in terms of budget, marketing, sales, team, training to actually get the practice off the ground? You know, I can't tell you over the four and a half years I've been here, and I'm sure in the, what, nine years you've, you've had the company, how many times we get first-time practice owners right out of school or a couple years out of school, and they're just shooting from the hip. You know, by the time they find us, they're like, all right, I've paid for the chairs and the scanner and the CBCT and this and that, and I've got, you know, five grand to market my business. And we're like, well, who told you to do that? This is a brand new company you're trying to take to market. And it was an afterthought. And it's just kind of like, maybe the education system isn't just teaching those things. So we want to do this for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, y'all are the future of the industry. We want to be able to continue to grow our business. We both have interests here. But it's kind of a way to give back, right? Whether we all work together down the road or not, hopefully some of the stuff we go through, some of the stories from some of the doctors that we share, right? You guys can essentially learn from their mistakes and save time, you know? So that's, that's what we got. A little bit about us and the company. Like Luke said, uh, he's Luke. I'm, I'm Harrison. Luke founded the company back in 2014. Uh, I've been here about four and a half years. We uh, are based in Pensacola, Florida. If anybody's ever heard of Pensacola, tiny little sleepy beach town, big naval town, either way. But between me and Luke, we've gone and visited in person about 50 practices at this point, uh, you know, hanging in more so the new patient machine side of things, the consults, the front desk, the phone. You know, I'll hang in the clinic and kind of see efficiencies a little bit, but like I told them, there will be zero clinical talk today. Although uh, he is in braces. I am in braces. I can tell you what's going on, but that's as far as my clinical knowledge goes. Um, but Luke and I are both extremely passionate about coaching people in general, whether that's doctors, whether that's staff, et cetera, on really how do we get more patients in the door? How do we do it effectively? How do we do it efficiently? You guys have all been in school or still in school for couple years, you know, pretty long time. How do we take that, what, decade that we've been in school roughly and come out and hit the ground running? So we've created a marketing framework that at this point, uh, we've tracked about $150 million of new patient production that we have generated for our practice owners. Well over now, because we've been using that number for probably a year and a half in this presentation. But I will also say, and some of you guys know this who have checked out our books and our training, is really, I don't like the word marketing because, you know, to actually grow a business, you can't just do marketing. 
Um, there's really four main components of, of any business, which is marketing, sales, operations, and finance. And so part of our vision and why we started writing these books and coming out with courses and material, and these are just two of uh, a four-book series we have. Um, but now we have courses that are CE approved. We have hundreds of videos, white papers, resources. Is um, Marketing, in a lot of cases, if the other pillars in a business aren't working right, marketing just exploits your problems. So uh, if you think about it like a, a leaky colander, if you have all these leaks and you turn on the water and you crank up the water more, it, water's just gonna go everywhere. And so part of our vision is to be more, have more of a growth framework, not just a marketing framework, to plug all the leaks in the bucket. And we're not just coming out with the education, we just built a consulting team on top of, of the marketing and fulfillment and sales team. Um, so we can coach you guys on just about anything. And so the vision for us moving forward is to really have a complete growth framework, not on the clinical side, although there may be efficiencies there, but on the business side of the practice. It doesn't mean we're gonna do accounting or you know, be your CPA, but it does mean we'll have people and know people oh, gee, do your who will be able to do that, and, and we can introduce you guys to those people if you don't already know them. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I don't know if you guys have friends that maybe are out of school and in practice, maybe in practice ownership, or maybe you know some people that have come and done lectures or something. You know, I talk to a lot of doctors and they say, oh, marketing doesn't work. I tried marketing, it didn't do anything. But if you look at Luke's four pillars, right? Marketing, sales, operations, finance. Why did the marketing not work? There was a break in one of these four pillars. There were no systems, the finance was terrible, operations, et cetera. So um, as we all get to know each other, hopefully we, we continue past tonight. You know, as I do talks and trainings and lectures, I like to start everything with a quote of the day uh, for two reasons. Number one, you know, you guys maybe nerd out on occlusions. I nerd out on uh, motivational personal development kind of stuff. And also, I think it can get us in a good frame of mind for what we're going to talk about. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of this book or read this book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Anybody? If you haven't, put it on your reading list. Awesome book. If you haven't read the book, maybe you've heard of the 10,000-hour rule of mastery. Once you've done something for 10,000 hours, that's when you've reached mastery level of that craft, right? So, you know, between dental school and residency and a few years in practice, like you guys are going to have 10,000 hours chairside you know, in the oral cavity. Well, we've got tens of thousands of hours helping small business owners increase their revenue, their efficiencies, their operations. And so over the time and the money and the energy and blood, sweat, and tears, I think there's kind of some patterns that we've been able to figure out over the last decade, and that's what we're going to share with you. So um, this is actually an old map, but uh, at this point, we have about 300 private practices that we work with across the country. Uh, as it stands today, about 90% of them are orthodontics. That's where we have really specialized. Obviously, guys, you work with enough orthodontists, you're going to meet a few general dentists, some oral surgeons, some pediatric dentists. Some of the principles that we're talking about today are applicable in any business. A restaurant, a hot dog stand down the street, an orthodontic practice, a dentistry practice. We just happen to get blessed into orthodontics. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Ben Fishbein or Fishbein Orthodontics. Uh, he's in Pensacola where we're from. He was our first orthodontist, still a client today. Um, and that's kind of how we got to where we're at today. So real quick, what we're going to talk about today, first and foremost, how do we actually create a marketing budget? Number two, what are the things that we're going to need to get a business off the ground, whether that's a de novo or whether that's buying out an acquisition or buying out an old guy through an acquisition that is essentially going to need to be completely overhauled. So we're going to talk about branding, talk about website, search engine optimization, advertising, but I think really the biggest part out of all of this is training and coaching and accountability, thinking about that leaky colander. So how do we actually plan for marketing and advertising costs if I'm gonna start my own practice or if I'm gonna go take this tiny little old thing and get it up into the 21st century? Well, it's not black and white, right? It's very difficult to say everybody should do the same thing, right? So the first thing is we gotta figure out what's the goal? 
right? If you're going to go into practice ownership, what kind of business do you want? What is your vision? Do you want to be a single doctor, single location? Do you want to be a doctor with multiple associates and multiple offices? Do you want to take this to a $10 million business? Do you want to take this to a three or $4 million business, Partner, right? multi-specialty. Multi-specialty, right? There's so many other factors at play. So what we're gonna talk about right now is really, if you wanna come in and you wanna grow fast, okay? If you're like, hey, I'd love to get to, you know, two million and do that in a decade, you know, it may not be applicable, but I, most of the docs I talk to coming out of school, they're like, I've been in school for like my whole life. I'm ready to come in and like crush it. Doesn't so, mean you have to be like a mega practice no. or a mill, but you know, just grow faster and easier so we, um, we got and collapse time. You know, if anybody's goal, if I would say, hey, would you want to do it in 10 years or two years? Most people are going to say, well, if I could, I would rather do it in two, three years. It's a good perspective. Let's think about this is if we want to shorten the time. You know, I've talked to tons of people that have been practicing for 15 years and they haven't even produced a million dollars in a year, you know? And then we've got other guys that have gone to 10 million in five years, you know? You guys gotta think about that. So uh, once we got the, the goal in mind, then we can start to think about what needs to happen. So uh, our rule of thumb is you should be thinking and budgeting roughly 10% of that first year, or if you're doing an acquisition that next year, production goal needs to go towards marketing. So we didn't pull these numbers out of the sky, all right? This was in combination with a study that was done by the SBA. You guys have heard of the US Small Business Administration. We also interviewed some of our orthodontists that were able to grow quickly. And so I'm just gonna read this. It says the US Small Business Administration recommends as a general rule Small businesses with revenues less than $5 million should be allocating 7 to 8% of their revenue towards marketing. Now, here's the kicker. This percentage is based on businesses that have margins in the 10 to 12% profit margin range. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but even a halfway, kind of, sort of, decently run orthodontic practice should be doing better than 10 to 12% profit margins. And if we have an orthodontic practice that is doing 10 to 12% profit margins, we got way bigger issues at our hands and marketing should probably be the last part of our conversation at this juncture in time. So right? like baseline in a healthy practice, you're looking at about 30% margin. Um, and we've seen in, in many cases, some people that's 50%. And it, it can even be higher um, depending on, you know, do, do you do all braces and, and use uh, very economical uh, brackets and wires and things like that? Or, you know, are you a practice that's going all digital uh, indirect bonding with the most expensive lab fees? Obviously, your margin, it, it won't be this low, but it's, it's going to suffer, you know, because of that. Especially in the beginning. So since we know that a healthy or even a halfway decently healthy orthodontic practice should be operating at much higher than 10 to 12% margins, this is why we suggest about 10%. Now I'm sure you guys know if you go acquire an old practice or do a startup, right? And you start producing, 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 it's gonna take about one to two years for that production to start getting collected, right? So we gotta have a little bit of future vision with that. Now, a good goal for a startup, we think, is at a minimum, you should be able to produce 500 grand in your first year. I think if you are willing to work three, four days a week right out of the jump, getting to a million dollars of production in 12 months is very doable. Then again, I've talked to other people and they, uh, they barely got to 200K in a year, but it's like, what kind of steps were they setting up prior to opening? You know, Luke and I had a call with this guy you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know the guy. Uh, he's opening in Los Angeles. I don't know if anybody knows. There's like millions of people in Los Angeles, saturated, bloody. Uh, he called us 30 days, 30 days before he was opening in Los Angeles. He didn't have a logo, didn't have a website, didn't have a brand name. And then he got pissed at me that we couldn't deliver a timeline for him. And I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing, right? Like, Yeah, we so. need to kind of rethink this. Yeah. So, you know... 
I don't know if a million dollars in the first year is in the cards for that guy, right? But I'm going to share some stories with you with some first-time practice owners. There's one up in the Hamptons that we're actually going to go see tomorrow, some Georgia, that are doing a million, 1.2, 1.4 in their first 12 months. But the key is they had the proper steps, systems, and budgets right from the jump. So if I want to do a million dollars in my first year, you guys got to be thinking to set aside about 100K in that first year for marketing. You're taking a brand new name that nobody's ever heard about into a very uh, vastly populated area. Even if you're in rural Alabama, these people have iPhones and they're on Facebook and they're on Instagram and they're getting inundated with stuff all day long. How do you break through the noise? If marketing's an afterthought to that, and that's what happens a lot of the time, they're like, all right, I bought all the dental stuff. I got 10 grand. It's like, why was this an afterthought? It does, that's not good business. Yeah, I wanna go back to here real quick too, just with building the plan. You know, part of this plan is systems, like standard operating procedures. How are you gonna hire? How are you gonna train people? Because as you grow, um, that's gonna be, you know, leadership and training and operations is gonna be more and more important. It may not be at first, you know, if you have one or two employees, but as you grow and you start, uh, you're gonna have to start uh, growing based on production. That stuff is gonna be very uh, important and key. And I believe, you know, the reason why an average practice, an average established practice is 1.5 million is largely because of that. We see it all the time. We go in practice after practice. Hey, I'm stuck at this, this break point and it's like taking two hours to do this thing and three hours to do this thing. And like, we see people do this in like 20, 30 minutes. Where are all the inefficiencies? And a lot of times it's not this big thing, it's just these small things. And you tweak these, all these small things and then things just flow so much easier. So. Good old, good old corny, coat, corny quotes. Small hinges swing big doors. So. Yeah. Cheesy, but true. It is very, very true. But when I give this talk sometimes, right, we're talking like, okay, 50, 100K, maybe more than 100K in my first year to get open. I'm not seeing it here, but a lot of res like their eyeballs are popping out of their head. They're falling out of their chair and they're like, good grief. Like it already, I already spent 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 grand to get through school. Maybe a little different here, right? You know, you guys don't have as. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you see what I'm getting at, right? They're like, man, I just spent a half a million to get my license. Now I got to do another 100, 120 plus the build out. It's like, and we, all, we also see people go like bananas with the build out and then they're really depleted. Yeah. So it's like thinking about all of that up front. Hey, what am I going to really need? Am I going to need two iTero scanners and do I have stuff? to have a CBCT? You know, like, do I need flat screens on every wall? And, you know, again, all that stuff should scale up as you guys grow too. And so you need to be thinking about all of these things. Um, you know, how am I gonna budget wisely um, well, across we got the startup board. in Virginia, we'll keep names out of it for now, but he came to us, he had very little money to invest in a business. We're like, where did, where did you spend all your money, dude? He's like, well, I had, you know, I had to have a CBCT. I couldn't do 2D imaging. This is why patients are gonna come to me. And I'm like, let's go outside. Let's go ask 10 people on the street. Do you know what a CBCT is? Nobody knows what that is, right? I can't tell you how to treat as a doctor, but if you're going to go take on this debt and this money and try and get it off the ground, like what is the quickest movement you can make to start being able to treat patients, right? I have yet to meet a patient that said, I started at XYZ Orthodontics because he has 3D x-rays, right? Um, so... Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of money. Who does that? Um, we find that just about every successful startup and even established practices now, when we go back and ask them, hey, what was it like starting up? The ones who grew quickly and didn't spin their wheels for a decade, they did exactly what we're saying. In some cases, more. You know, Fishbine was spending, 50, he said, spend as much as you can on marketing. And um, he said, if you're not at capacity, you can't afford not to because the cost of an open chair and the cost of an empty new patient slot is always gonna be exponentially more expensive than the cost of the actual marketing, right? I think in efficient orthodontist time, all right, let's say average case start in America is roughly 5K for comprehensive treatment. Depending how you run your schedule, if you can see one new patient an hour and you're converting 
80% of your consults into a star, what's your time worth an hour? Three grand? An hour? So every hour you're not seeing a new patient? Add that up over a week, a month, I bet you it's going to be more than 100 grand. One way to think about it. So I told you I wanted to share some stories with some young doctors that maybe you guys might relate to. These are first-time practice owners. We're actually going to see Dr. Sarah tomorrow up in the Hamptons. She, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, her husband is like very versed in business and, you know, finance, et cetera. So he kind of runs things, but he, she opened up in the Hamptons. I'm sure you guys know the Hamptons are relatively expensive, kind of bougie, like, and I'm, we're downplaying it here. But um, what she had told us is she was like, I'm in the Hamptons. People are charging 10, 15 grand for treatment. Nobody touches insurance. She's like, that's great for this population in the Hamptons, but there's an entire market of people that cannot be served by local businesses in the Hamptons because everybody's only appealing to the top 1%. So their vision when they came in is they literally, I remember Paul saying, he's like, we're going to disrupt the industry up in the Hamptons. We're going to get in that work with every insurance. We're going to make our fees super affordable. We're going to lower the barrier of entry. They really went against the crowd. They started investing in the marketing very, very early in their journey, not get the doors open, see what happens. Oh man, nobody's here. And now put a marketing plan together. They had this runway from the get-go. We'll see what it's going to look like tomorrow when we chat with them. But last time I talked to Paul, her, her husband, which is about three or four weeks ago, they're on pace to do somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 this year. In their first 12 months open, they've already opened a second practice. They're consistently doing about 25, 30, 35 starts a month right now, right? So another good saying for you guys, okay? Because everybody wants the best fee, and I can appreciate this. But something to think about is I firmly do believe that service to many leads to greatness. If you can find a way to help enough people get what they want, you can have anything that you want. Help enough people get what they want, right? If I have a $15,000 case fee, how many people can I help get what they want? So just food for thought. Uh, uh, if you're going to do a startup or an acquisition, I would say uh, some of you guys have my car, some of you have Luke's car, but I'd say we probably want to start talking about a year out. doesn't mean we're going to engage right away, but I'd rather start talking about a year out and start thinking about your plans and your timelines and your goals versus calling me 30 days from opening. Uh, and most of the stuff that we'll do in the beginning is all free. So we're just yeah. going to give you advice and talk you through right. things, yeah. make sure your plan is sound. In most cases, some cases, we'll press the go button six months out. In some cases, it's a shorter window. So anywhere from six months to four months, yeah. uh, we'll press, press the go button. But I'd start having conversations with us about a year out so we can start thinking about that runway. Uh, this is a super cool family. We actually just did a podcast with them. I don't know if anybody likes podcasts, by the way. We have a super awesome podcast called the Grow Ortho Podcast. You can get it on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. I don't know if you guys like stuff to listen to. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but it's a pretty awesome podcast. Go I mean, to YouTube, subscribe now. Yeah, but we, the reason I tee this up is the, the Gas family just did an episode with us. I think it'll launch in about a week or so. Yep. Either way, uh, it's a husband-wife duo, super cool. They're both orthodontists. Uh, his wife, also Dr. Gas, uh, is actually the associate at one of our other practices. But uh, they did a startup up in Dawsonville. Somebody was asking about like great locations to kind of open. They're about an hour outside of Atlanta, so... Very underserved area, but tons of people that commute, right? We started talking about a year out. I do know, I remember the call we had with them. He about fell out of his chair when I told him how much money he's going to need to invest in the marketing to get this thing off the ground. Uh, he took the leap of faith with us. They're crushing it right now. Uh, August this year was their fourth month open ever, and they produced 180 grand in August this year, fourth month open. They're putting up numbers faster than I've seen people five, 10 years into practice, right? So this is Dr. Kristen Connect. Excuse my language, I'm just gonna go out and say it. She's a total badass. Uh, if you guys want a cool resource to talk to, she would be happy to talk to you. She's out in Houston, but again, not in the downtown Houston. She's like 30, 45 minutes outside of Houston, underserved, growing area. You get the idea. Uh, she opened up in 2020. I don't know if you guys remember what happened in 2020. So she spent a boatload of money to get this practice open. 
Six weeks after she opened her doors, uh, the government then closed her doors. Uh, in that time, the contractor uh, that built out her building put another orthodontist four doors away from her in the same shopping center, okay? I'm teeing this up. You guys got a book here that says Master Your Mindset. So much of business and growth is how you think about it. Most docs would be like, how am I ever gonna do this? There's another orthodontist next to me. The world just closed down. Kristen was like, let's go, you know? And, and in her first 12 months, she did about 1.4 million in her first 12 months open. She did a little over 2 million last year in her second year in practice, and we'll probably do 2.5, 2.7-ish, knock on wood. See how, you know, last month ends. In her third year in practice, and the first year she was practicing, she was working part-time. She was only here two days a week. She was still doing Pacific Dental uh, for some cash flow in that time. So it can be done. Yeah, so just to hit real quick what she says, I wish I knew how feasible it is to do a startup with the right team, both in office and marketing. There's a lot of negative talk on the forums amongst colleagues about how challenging it is to open a practice from scratch. Knowing this would have saved me a tremendous amount of stress lost sleep, and I would have likely done it sooner. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make opening a startup is bringing on a consultant. Just, I'll tell you guys a story about this in a second. I would advise them to allocate the money to marketing instead and utilize as many friends, colleagues uh, for practice advice if needed, which it will be. Also be cautious with lab fees in the beginning and try to keep these low or stretch out the payments as much as possible so that you can allocate money to marketing. Getting patients in the door for consults is by far one of the most critical components to practice success and growth, which is why marketing is so important. So now, like I told you guys, we've kind of baked all this stuff in. So when you get hip, you get a consultant uh, with us, which is our practice advisor team. Um, but we see, and this is no negative talk against consultants. There's some great consultants out there. You guys have probably heard of Panici. They're a great group. Um, we see people go and hire consultants before they really have any patients. And these aren't like startup consultants. Uh, we have some people that, you know, even we lean on for that specifically. But they'll go hire people to train the TC, make the clinic more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you don't even have one patient. Like, let's go break some stuff and then be like, hey, uh, we, we can't do any more than like 10 starts a month or, you know, whatever. What's going on? Hire, oh, well, all of this. Okay, that makes sense. But for some reason, um, the, the specialty is really educated to go hire a consultant before marketing, and then it's really just putting the cart before the horse. So you want to ramp up somewhat if you're gonna work, and, and some of our partners, because we, we bolted on consulting and coaching this year, they've worked with consultants for years. We can still work together. So, you know, if somebody's gonna watch film, so for instance, you know, if uh, Panici's gonna watch a consult, we're gonna watch a consult, we're gonna coach on it, we may say some of the similar things that overlap and we may hit on some different things. And then, you know, those practices have more things to kind of chew on and think about um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing while we overlap. Um, you know, there's still things that we do that other consultants uh, don't do and vice versa. You know, we don't do everything as well. Like a lot of the consultants, Michelle, Shimon, and others will consult on the clinic uh, much more than we would. Um, so really, what do I actually need? Uh, from a digital marketing and a branding perspective, I'm just gonna walk you through the bare bones really quick. So you're gonna need a brand, you're gonna need a logo, um, you're going to need colors. You're going to need uh, a typography, which is like a font uh, family. Uh, this is a practice. Uh, this guy actually went and bought several practices outside of Dallas um, and rebranded them from Gallagher Orthodontics to Stellar Smiles. So this is one of the uh, rebrands that we did. This is another one we did uh, in Arizona, Havasu. This is Efros, who's in upstate New York. Kingston area. He has two practices. Um, he, we rebranded him. I think his first logo was something he made in like Microsoft Word. Uh, so we redid all of that. This is a practice in Montgomery. This is, if you know, Dr. Dressler, the founder of Rhinogram. He also founded and sold OrthoBank. Uh, he's a partner of ours in Chattanooga. 
Um, you're gonna need a website. So once you go through like branding, colors, fonts, collateral, referral pads, business cards, you know, we can help you with signage, all that stuff. Obviously from there we go into a website. Um, here's just some of ours. This one's really cool. We did this for a practice in Denver and they wanted their website to look like Vans, uh, the shoes. And so, you know, we made it look uh, a lot like that stylistically, used a lot of graffiti across the site. It was pretty amazing. But I've seen a lot of people have beautiful websites and terrible websites. And regardless, you can't find them. And so the key thing to look for with the website is findability, right? If you're in obscurity, like Harrison's talking about, nobody can find you. Well, what's the point of the website? how pretty the website is. I always ask people when they get on a call with me, hey, how much money has your website made you? How many patients has your website brought you? I don't even know. Hmm. And I'm like, well, hey, before we do marketing, we might want to go see who filled out a form on your website. Let's put that in a spreadsheet, and then let's go ask your team when they called them, text them, email. And then it's like, oh, wow, like, yeah, we should probably take care of this. Um, but SEO, you know, findability, if you really nail SEO, it can be owning your, your rankings versus renting them. With paid ads on Google search and display, you can rent them and you need to at scale. But with SEO, you can own those and it doesn't take five years to do it. And so I see a lot of people hire SEO companies and they're like, oh, this is my friend or my wife's friend or whoever, and it's like, hey, have they actually worked in your specialty? Do they know what keywords, what content to put out to actually rank? Well, they started a blog. That's yeah. great. I'll go look at the blog, and then I'm like, hey, you're in Alabama, and all your traffic's coming from California. I'm pretty sure your blog's not helping you, you know? And in a lot of cases, like our podcast, our blog, we'll get people from, you know, Dubai contacting us, other countries, and it's like, you know, due to Europe and different marketing laws and all of that, you know, we don't work over there yet. But my point is, is as a small local business serving a community, you have to know, or in this case, work with someone who knows how to actually make that work. And so I'm looking at right now on screen, Google Map Pack. These are just some of our clients, you know, Egan, Minnesota, Invisalign, Pensacola Orthodontist. This is owning the ranking in the Map Pack. And then You've probably noticed if you keep scrolling, you have what's called Google search below this, which is a, um, a listing and content on a website. Part of findability in SEO, a big part of it is now um, Google My Business, which changed to uh, a Google Business Profile. Uh, I don't know why they changed the name, but a big part of that is reviews, not just getting reviews, but actually responding to reviews. And we handle reputation manage management for our practices, our partners, and we respond in a way that is very generic due to HIPAA. So, you know, if you do get somebody who just trashes your practice, don't go on and like share any type of details. Just, hey, we apologize. If you'd like to discuss it, please give us a call. You want to be um, very uh, vague and, and you know your uh, son's birthday is on March 16th yeah yeah <laughs> social security number <laughs> we did not help this patient we actually helped this patient could that be you it's like don't don't do any of that you're gonna need Facebook ads so a lot of our Facebook ads uh, are using uh, this type of content you know you break out your phone you take a selfie the all professional content while in some cases it can be utilized and work well this is what we're used to seeing. This is what resonates uh, with people. Um, not so much mask anymore. In fact, across the country, uh, a lot of our partners who kept, we kept using images with masks, they started getting trolled. So uh, side note, yeah. we, we took all that stuff out. But, um, you know, this is even, we're using AI to generate ad images now. So like this is a practice in Austin and this ad did extremely well, but we're even doing that. Um, you know, we're leveraging chat GPT and all those uh, this is Midjourney, um, which is an image creator. Um, be careful, it does give people six fingers uh, sometimes. Uh, there's some weird stuff. It turned me into an alien one time, uh, my face. But doesn't um, do teeth well, but yeah, it you're gets gonna need, patience. Gonna so. need Facebook ads. You know, uh, we'll coach you guys on what images to take that work best, and typically they're very simple. We even coach you on simple video scripts and things like that. Um, you're going to need Google Ads, landing pages, 
And most importantly, what I talked about and told that story of, hey, let's go look at your website and pull all the form submissions. What we find is there's not processes and there's not training. So most of the leads and prospective patients that people are already getting are falling through the cracks. And so in our onboarding process, we make sure that your team is trained for that. We don't just have training, we also have a software uh, practice beacon. And so it keeps track of every phase of the new patient journey and it's extremely simple. There's an app for it on your phone. Um, if you guys have ever heard of like HubSpot and Salesforce or these CRMs, they're very complicated and over open-ended. Our system is like a HIPAA compliant iPhone. It's extremely simple. So anyway, with, with training and like what we were talking about, you know, we just call this customer service and, and this is the sales process. So I'll let you kind of hit this part. So uh, we were talking like acquisition versus de novo before you guys came in, right? And you were like, what's the pros and advantages? So let's, let's like, why is this so important? Let's use like a practice that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, maybe before Facebook ads were a thing and the Instagram ads were a thing. Like back in the day, where did 99% of orthodontic patients come from? Word of mouth from the GP, from the pedo, yeah. siblings, family and friends, right? So let's think about in that situation how that patient gets to your practice. It's very simple. I'm the dentist. I say Bobby needs braces. Here's Dr. Bob's card. And then you call the office and say, uh, hi, Dr. Bob said my kids need braces. When can I come in? Okay, so if we're going into a practice that's been around for 20 years and we've got Let's just pick a name, I don't know, Karen at the front desk, who's been doing it this way for 20 years, and that's how every new patient has come into the practice. Now you throw Facebook in the wrench, you throw Instagram, you throw Google. It's no longer, I'm just gonna sit at the front desk and wait for the phone to ring. We've actually gotta go pick up the phone and call these people and follow up, right? Got a fish. Now, when we do a startup and we're hiring our team from the get-go, we can build these foundations right from day one, okay? So the reason our mind started thinking about this is going back to patterns and seeing patterns, the pattern that we saw, mind you guys, this is six, seven years 2018. ago. This is not the case today, but all transparency, this is what really forced our hand to make a pivot in our model. And what we were seeing was a pattern where really 10% of the practices we were working with were making all the money, AKA the success rate of people partnering with HIP at this time was very skinny. And the only people that were really making it work, what did they have? Good systems, good operations, good accountability, good training. Well, what about everybody else that was essentially handcuffed by Karen at the front desk, okay? So this is things that we would hear from the people who marketing didn't work or they couldn't grow if it came and slapped them in the face. They would say, man, we're getting all these calls, we're getting all these leads, but they're just, they're just bad leads. They're just bad patients. I, I only want good patients. I'm like, what, is, like, what does that mean? Like, what, what's a good patient? Like they got teeth and a pulse and they're crooked. What else you want, you know, like, come on. So, or, you know, oh, man, all the patients that come from Dr. Bob, they all show up. Everybody who comes off the internet in my marketing, nobody shows up. They're not serious. All no-shows, bad patients, get them out of here. You know, then that guy goes and starts at their competitor. Wonder why, right? My favorite is, uh, you know, I know it works in Texas and Florida and California and Alabama and Arkansas and Mississippi, but digital marketing just doesn't work at my practice because I have a unique practice that you guys have probably never handled before. And I'm like, hmm, let me take a guess. You got some dental chairs, compressor, drill, brackets. What am I missing? Okay. I'm making fun a little bit, but it's like, let's peel back some layers of the onion. Why can it work for all your colleagues and not for you? Is this a marketing issue or is there possibly some other leaks in the business that's restricting the ability to get these patients in and started? Does that make sense? So these were symptoms and we wanted to figure out, kind of maybe like a doctor, is a symptom, what's the root cause of this? Why are we seeing these symptoms? Uh, I'd venture to guess we're all relatively same age-ish here. I'm 30, everybody kind of in the 
27 to 35 range. So we're all, let's say millennials, yeah? Okay, so anybody have smartphone? Facebook, Instagram, anybody got a flip phone? Anybody still use the yellow pages? Okay, we all move quick, right? I can be contacting businesses, friends, family, Instagram, somebody in Korea, at the snap of a finger, right? What I'm getting at is in our world, speed is everything. Does anybody use Amazon? Or you guys still like still go shop at stores? Weirdos, you know, maybe once in a while. What has Amazon created in our age group? And think about how long we've all had Amazon in our life, right? They've created an environment where we expect to be able to have things right now and 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes from now, that could literally feel like next year and I already forgot about it. I was telling this to the doc today, don't hate the player, hate the game right? We're not going to change consumer behavior. All we can do is adopt our systems. So this was a study done from the Harvard Business Review, really looking at people who contact businesses off the internet. And if you see the one on the left, it says response time. And you can see that in this study, there were just about 10,000 inquiries or 10,000 contacts generated in this study. And after almost 10,000 contacts, what was found was that if you do not try and follow up with a new patient opportunity off the internet within five minutes or less, there was a 400% decrease in ever getting in touch with them. 400%, who likes those odds? Why can Dr. Bob crush it and Dr. Karen can't? I wonder if maybe Dr. Bob's practice, like, I don't know, picks up the phone and calls these new patient opportunities quicker than the next guy. And so we started secret shopping our practices. This is another software that we created. There's actually a patent pending on it. And what this allows us to do is kind of be your extra eye in the sky and hold your team accountable. It's actually the orthodontist doing my treatment, Dr. Sarah, she's awesome. But she said, I've come to learn that people do not respect what you expect. They respect what you inspect. Now, how often is the orthodontist inspecting their phones, their inquiries, listening to their phone calls? Slim to none. I've never met a business owner that expects their team to not answer a new patient call, but how often are they inspecting these things? So we're like, man, how could we help our docs inspect this? So this is a guy uh, in New Orleans. I was telling you guys about him a little bit. He bought a practice. It was barely doing 200 grand a year annual production when, we, when he bought it. We helped him scale to over 2 million in 16 months. He did 3.5 million last year. Fast growth. We'll look at his report card. We requested the appointment at 1245. His team called us in two minutes, an hour later, and the next business day. Phenomenal. I will, I will say, too, like this guy actually has, he, he doesn't just live at the practice and work all the time. He works three days a week. Even though he grew this fast, he still was able to have fun be with his family. So it doesn't mean yeah, in all instances, you know, if you, if you want to grow faster than this, or if you want to do 10 million solo, like it, you might have to work uh, every single day and some Saturdays, but there's ways to do this where you can work three days a week, maybe four days a week and, and still have still crush it. Yeah. Still have time to enjoy family. So this is a practice in Austin. He did a, he did do an acquisition on the first location and then he, uh, he did a de novo on the His second first location lo was outside of Austin, much further yeah. south. It's like 30 minutes outside the city. You guys seen some patterns here? Second practice is moving a little slower. But uh, again, when we partnered up with him, we doubled his production in a year, like snap. And you look at his report card, they called us in two minutes, they called us two hour, about two hours later, they missed the third phone call, nobody's perfect. But let's go ahead and see what happens on the other side. This is a practice in Washington, DC, four offices, three full-time doctors, plenty of manpower at the front desk. Oh, by the way, those other two practices were single provider, single location in the time of those report cards. They still, one of them still is. Point being, plenty of people here. It doesn't matter what we do for these people. Facebook, Instagram, Google, website, all the leads suck. Nobody's serious about treatment. Nobody shows up. Nobody wants to start. But I heard somebody the other day, we did a secret shop, sent it to them. They're not a partner. They're just an orthodontist. They said, hey, this is great, but we on purpose don't call 
people who fill out a form on the website because they're always bad leads or they always no-show. I'm paraphrasing. They said something like this. So, again, it's like these it's false beliefs. These, why do they even have the website? Yeah, why do they even have the website? You know, um, I will say, too, and, and this I'll hit this quote, but we cannot solve problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So we have to come up with new strategies, new thinking, new systems, new processes, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, we told somebody the other day, if we did business this way, like if we had these beliefs, we wouldn't be in business either. These are laws that kind of transcend any type of business. It turns out, you know, if you don't call people, you probably can't get them into the practice. If you don't wear your aligners, your teeth probably don't move, right? So it's the same same types of things, but... Um, he knows this to be true. He didn't wear his Yeah, I was a bad patient. Uh, Terrible patient. Still got okay results, but not great. Uh, you know, I don't do actively, I don't do the sales actively too much anymore. Every now and then I'll, I'll take a call, but I always go back and scroll all the way up because we use practice speaking for ourselves too in the conversation. And in most cases, I'd say 80 to 90% of cases we've talked or not talked to, we've tried to talk to the orthodontist, dentist, whoever, for two to three years. In some cases, five years. So I'll scroll all the way up and we've been calling this person. They've opted into every ad. We've sent them every resource. We've sent them podcasts. We've tried to send them books, et cetera, et cetera. For whatever reason, now they decided to take action. You know, And so people are people. You have to, and what we think of is, oh, you know, we're not, we don't have all these bad leads. We have a pipeline. So where's there more value in the two or five leads that come in per day? Or is there more value in our pipeline of thousands of orthodontists that we can go call, send or messages thousands to? thousands of patients, right? Like right? what's the fastest growing segment in orthodontics? Anybody know? Children's, teens, or adults? Adults, okay. So here we are, maybe let's use, I don't know, Harrison, as an example, who's back in treatment, who had braces as a kid, who didn't wear his retainer, who wanted to fix some things but wasn't going to die if I didn't, okay? I make an appointment, and then my buddy says, hey, bro, you want to go play golf this afternoon? What's more of a priority to me right now? Playing golf. Does that mean I don't want to fix my teeth? No. But what does the average orthodontist say? Oh, Harrison, waste of time, terrible patient, didn't even show up to his consultation. Tell him if he wants to reschedule a $100 no-show fee. I have a, a ton what, of... What's the chances I'm going back to that practice? Zero. Zero. Fishbine said they started a patient a couple months ago that no-showed their initial consult eight times. I'm not saying that's cool, okay? I hate no-shows. Doctors no-show me every single day. But I'm not sitting here going, oh, Doc, what a, like, what a waste of time. I'm going, oh, you know, maybe he was down an assistant. Who knows, yeah. you know? It's just a thinking. I can't tell you how to think. So maybe I don't know. You guys probably have this too, a lot of red numbers in your missed calls, phone numbers that aren't saved in your phone. This is what happens when you guys first call a patient. Does anyone pick these up or am I the only one? Who answers who, the random numbers? There's got to be one weirdo here. There's always a weirdo. I got you. I answer too. Don't worry. Yeah. You never know. Maybe I won the lottery. You know. Like, you never know. I bet you buy a lot of stuff. No. Uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. No, man. That's why it's so important to have a hybrid follow-up process. Like you know, back in this slide, it showed seventh attempt is when people actually convert. And so, what I mean by hybrid and, and what we train is in our system. I'll call Harrison. He's, I know he's not going to pick up. Maybe he will. Nah. Probably won't. It'll go to voicemail. A lot of people, I don't check that either unless my phone says it's 95% full, and then I just start going and deleting them. But then I text Harrison right after, hey, Harrison, that was me who just called you. This is Luke at Hip Orthodontics. I see you took some of your time. When's a good time to chat? You know. And people screen their calls. Oh, that was that random number that just called me. You do that several times, you change the messaging and people then go, oh yeah, that, that was that ad I clicked on. I do want that. This is that person, et cetera, et cetera. Can we agree that we got to get back to people quickly? Can we agree this is important? Okay, so how do we get even better now? It's great you called me back in two minutes and you got in touch with me. Now what's more important? Luke already spilled the beans, so. How quickly can you get them in, right? I don't know about you guys. When I want something, I want it 
right now, especially if I've spent all this time and energy and brain power just to pick up the phone and call you. I don't know about you guys, it takes the wind out of my sails when I call the doctor and they're like, my next available is in February. I'm like, it, it's, Dece are we, it's December. And they're like, yep, I can get you in in two months. I'm like, uh, this is where no-shows come from, okay? What's the patient gonna say? Uh, yeah, all right, just go ahead and put me down for the first available. What's the first thing I'm doing when I hang up that phone? I'm calling the next one and seeing, can somebody get me in today, tomorrow, the next day, or is this just how it is? And then Luke goes, oh yeah, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm like, coming to see you. What are the chances I'm calling that other office back and going, hi, just out of courtesy, I wanted to let you know I found somewhere else to go. You can go ahead and remove me off the schedule. I wish people were this kind and courteous, but again, don't hate the player hate the game, that's not gonna happen. There's your no-show from bad leads on digital marketing, right? Are we trying to cater to the patient and make it easiest for the patient? Or candidly, don't take this the wrong way, are we trying to cater to ourselves as the doctor and what's best for me, all right? The best, easy-growing doctors that we work with, and these are great doctors, and they say, my mindset is I wanna be the least important person in the practice food for thought. So we call this the 72 hour rule, right? I kind of already prefaced Amazon, right? Amazon has created something where we expect things now. I just saw a commercial for Amazon the other day. They're now rolling out one day delivery. Drones. Drones. And uh, in certain locations, you can get like same day, two hour grocery delivery on Amazon now. Okay. So with technology and AI and speed, are people's expectations going to get harder or easier to meet and how fast they can be seen? Right? If you're booking people out three to six weeks by the time you guys get in school, good luck. Okay? You got to figure out how to get me in yesterday. Time is so important if you think about it in anything. Like maybe, maybe not in the city, but you, you go to other places. And like, you know, I like Chick-fil-A. It was my first job if you read books, you know. And like they focused on time. So the reason why they have the number one drive through is if they, they have this color code for minutes that go by. And so by the time an order gets uh, to five minutes, it goes in the red. And in the red's like a thing where you like people start yelling it out. We're in the red. We're in. And like people will start like running out of the back and like the guy squeezing lemons will like stop and throw the lemons aside. And like everybody works to get out of the red. And what do they know? If people sit in line 10 minutes, they get like pissed. Fancy. Like, me and my daughter quit going to like Wendy's because one time it took 20 minutes to get through and then the guy had an AirPods and he's like, huh? And she's five and she's like, this guy's rude. We're never coming back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, you got it figured out. So to tell you one more story, a friend of ours bought a bagel shop. We won't tell you who. And he he's, like, orthodontist. he's like, I'm getting all these bad reviews. I go and start scanning all their bad reviews. What are they all about? They're all about time. I ordered one bagel and it took me 20 minutes. I called ahead just to put in the order because it was a big order, showed up an hour later, still wasn't ready. Every single review I'm going through is about time. And so we have to understand people do not want to come hang out in your waiting room for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Pro they, there's a good chance you, make, you could lose that patient, especially if that's the first impression. And first that's a impression. Console. I was going to say like, for me, when I went in for my new patient console, right, they got me in like literally the next day or the day after I wanted to come in. I didn't wait in the waiting room. My console was quick. I got braces on the same day. But now when I go in for my adjustments, like I am sometimes waiting 15, 20 minutes, but first impressions are everything. What was my first impression? They answered the phone quick. They got me in ASAP. I got my braces on the same day. Now I have a little bit of grace. Imagine if you're like my next available's in six weeks and somehow this person actually shows up and then they're waiting for 30 minutes for their consult. And then you say, oh yeah, we don't, we don't do same day braces here. You need to now leave and then come back and come back for another hour and then you'll wait in the waiting room again. And then the guy next door is like, I can put braces on you now. Who's gonna get the patient? This is the way the world's moving. So. Uh, as you know, or as you've seen, we love studies. This is actually the guy in Austin we were telling you about. This made sense to him. Austin's obviously like younger, growing population. People are antsy. 
uh, after their first three weeks of following the 72-hour rule, getting people in three business days, no matter what, no matter what the template said, the answer is yes, what is the question? They started nine new patients just from Facebook ads. Now, I'll tell you, Facebook leads, these are like the probably the most elbow grease of time that you got to convert, right? They weren't searching for you right now. They were like, oh, straight teeth, that sounds interesting. They got nine starts in three weeks. You fast forward three months, they had 44 starts just from Facebook ads. This is before we did their website, before we did their SEO, before we took over Google ads, before we did reviews. This is just right on Facebook. Then on the, you do not have to raise your hand. <laughs> What's up? Give it to me. Give it to me. What you got? I just, it makes so much sense, but what does it look like on the staffing side and physically on the schedule side? Ooh, like what loaded. Kind of Loaded question. Yeah, like let's let's give the quick bullets. First and foremost, specialized roles. You'll see this in this book. A lot of the times where people make the mistake is they have their receptionist and then they task the receptionist on lead follow-up answering phones. This is now my office manager and my TC and my assistant. You know what I mean? So we actually have, I don't know if the org charts are in this book, but we have a yellow book. Um, if you just message us, we'll give you have our card. If anybody wants the four, the full book series, email one of us on the business card. We can get you a box in the mail with all four books. But it, it shows you org charts at different sizes, so you can kind of see how the org would grow. But we did find out that most small to medium practices still have a, a lot of trouble, especially post-COVID with attrition. So keeping people, then you got to train new people. So we actually installed a follow-up team at HIP in February. It, currently, it's live with about 45 practices. They'll call the leads we for you We call the schedule. leads, schedule them. And so instead of bringing you leads, we bring you qualified appointments. Our system, like Practice Beacon, is even now confirming them. Um, so we're advancing that, too, because there's such a need for it. Three quick positions that I've seen our fastest growers, most efficient practices have. Number one... The person who in charge or people in charge of phones and leads follow-up is not at the front desk. Maybe they work there, but they are not a receptionist. They are dedicated and specialized on the phone because that is a sales position. Can't be tasked on off. So number one, specialized on phones and lead follow-up. Two, have a dedicated records tech that's not your treatment coordinator, right? This whole 60, 70 minute long new patient exam is because why? The TC's doing photos and the records and bringing them through. Get a records tech that just bangs out photos and records all day. Maybe they're trained as an assistant, can pop in for a same day start. Those are the, those are the big ones, yeah. And always be overstaffed by one assistant so you can do same day starts. That's what we built. We, we have our team now that'll do exactly what you're saying. The cool thing about ours, and I'm not trying to say ours is better, but, but it, is. It, it is. No bias. There's like, uh, Most of those, if you ask how many actual human phone calls do like you touch make? Touch points. Human phone calls. They'll say, well, we call the person one time as a human, but don't worry, then we send them a bunch of texts that's a robot and it's automated. That doesn't work because like in today's age, like the typically when we actually get through, it's a human. If it's in a text message, it's a text message. Like after I've called you and text you like six or seven times, Harrison question mark. Uh -huh. And then boom, that gets the response. And that can be spun so many different ways. So it, you know, it still comes down to a human who is trained working the system. In a couple of years, that may change. Like bots and chat GPT is, I mean, it's unreal. We use it every day in what we do. Um, but you know, that human connection, I just don't know that that's ever going to be replaced within sales. So I would, I would ask, you know, any company, if we're not around or if you want to use somebody else, like how many actual human phone calls, human touch points happen in the process. Um, and we work with a lot of practices who use those services. We put them through our secret shop. And we have the data on all of that. And so, and we've even been told, hey, we can't follow your call text cadence. So it's like, that's when we started to look at, well, let's just go do it ourselves. To answer your question, conceptually, it's a great idea, but you have to dig deeper, like Luke was saying. Because when our client started bringing out, I think the first one was this company. 
And um, we're like, dang, conceptually, this is awesome. Like, let's test it. Let's see what happens. We'll have them take our secret shop report, see if it's working. And it, it just, it wasn't enough, like Luke said, like actual human touch points. They were like paying for like a robot. And then it's like, well, we can give you a robot, you know? So conceptually good idea. You just got to dig a little deeper. A lot of those chatbots too, they actually just create more work for your team because... <laughs> in um, like this one event, it's a big ortho event. Uh, this bot was pitched at it and everybody bought it. And then they realized, oh, the bot can only answer like one or two things. And then like, it doesn't know what to do. So it just kicks the conversation to our team. And Which was the whole reason we wanted the bot in the first place, because the team couldn't do it. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, they, they, what turned me off is the guy had misspells on his presentation. Yeah, I'm like, did you nice. use a bot to write this? Yeah. Or <laughs> at least spell check it? So uh, we're wrapping up here, guys. I know we're over, but hopefully a good conversation as we've been going through this. So um, always on the other side of the coin, right? This practice, very traditional. It's not about how do I make it easiest for the patient. Their mindset is how do I make it best for the doctor? We schedule people when it's convenient for me, when it fits into our schedule, three months of working together, they started four patients off, off their advertising. And they probably were like friends and family that would have come in anyway. So if we were to boil this all down, hopefully we've been able to identify together the root cause of some of these symptoms of no-shows and bad leads and bad patients. Is it really possible that marketing doesn't work? I don't believe so. What's the root cause? think it just comes down to customer service. What's good customer service? Taking care of my needs quickly, whether that's calling me back, whether that's getting me in, whether that's rescheduling, right? Taking care of my needs quickly. And I think great service is you being persistent with me instead of making it my job to be persistent with you. I don't know about you guys. I love it when people follow up with me on things that I forgot about. You know, oh, Harrison, you know, your car insurance is due again. I sent you 18 messages on it. Oh, thanks, Seth. Appreciate that, man. Right. And then you get like the one out of 10. that's like, leave me alone. Too many messages. Too much follow up. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So this is, I don't know what it is about orthodontists sometimes. Like they get the one patient that complains and then they want to change their entire system around that one complaint. And there is something to that. Like we're not telling people, hey, go cold call people. Like, no. These are... These are people who actually raised their hand and said, hey, right. I'm interested. I recently did a uh, podcast with a lady who has a practice in California. She has books too. Uh, there's a lot of the materials better than my books. Her name is Dr. Anne-Marie Gorsica. She said uh, out of the study she's done uh, and asked people like, hey, how many times did we contact you? I think it's on our survey. It was like 25% everybody thought of what it actually was. And so in today's age, like if I called you 10 times and you're like, oh yeah, you called me maybe like two or three times, you know? And she's like, oh no, like we called you, like we, we like blew you up. Um, but a lot of people now, like I said, they don't, like they have so many missed messages or calls, they don't really track it like they used to. But yeah, you don't want to like just hound, Harrison, Harrison, Harrison. It's like, hey, Harrison, like, are you still interested? Should we, you know, did you go somewhere else? Are you still you know, looking to maybe come in, uh, you know, our special ends, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're just trying to help them. And so that's kind of the, the frame that we take is like, hey, you reached out to us. Could we possibly help you? So. So what do we need? We got our last couple slides here, but what do we need to actually scale this thing? Four things outside of Luke's four keys to a business, but a bit more granular. We need a blueprint or a system. People are not duplicatable. Systems are. Okay, so if we're gonna have a system, we need training. If we're gonna have training, we need accountability to make sure the team's actually doing it. And then for you as the business owner, we need transparency back and forth from us so there's no guessing. And that's what we have created, and we call that the patient acquisition and retention framework. Bit of a mouthful, we call it PARF. I know it rhymes with BARF. You don't have to tell We me. don't tell a lot of people that, but you guys are special. <laughs> Every call. Um, but this is kind of what our system looks like, kind of zoomed out, right? Is it's really holistic through the entire new patient journey. The reason I say this is a, most marketing companies, they pretty much only do that thing on the left. 
They just do the attraction, right? Here's your website, here's your Facebook ad, here's your SEO campaign, whatever you want to call it. And then there's like a line drawn and it's like, I'm the marketing guy, I did the marketing, the rest is on you. And to us, we're like, the marketing is kind of the easiest part. Like you don't start a marketing agency if you're not good at like getting people to click on stuff. Now it's like, okay, we got people to click on stuff. Like now what? How do we follow up, get them in, hold them accountable, see what's going on, listen to phone calls. That's the magic of the process. And that's kind of what our framework looks like. Uh, this is our software practice beacon. There's a lot of cool stuff practice beacon can do. I'm not gonna get into the weeds on software and stuff today, but let's just think about it like this. Let's say you have a practice. I clicked on your Facebook ad. I requested an appointment. Practice Beacon, would one of the things it'll do is it'll push a phone call to your office or to your scheduling team. They'd answer it like, hello, Dr. Bob's office, how can I help you? And on the other line of the phone is a little robot and it says, hey there, this is Practice Beacon. Harrison just requested the free exam on Facebook. Press one to call him now. Boop, and it'll push a phone call. So it's like, unless your team is like really trying to figure out how to not do the work, like it's pretty dummy proof. They'll find a way, trust me. Um, and so there's three components, marketing, software, and training. Hopefully you guys have been able to get a taste of that. We brought you obviously some books. This is book one and book four. Uh, book two is treatment coordinator. Book three is like operations and scalability. You guys all have me and Luke's card or one of our cards. If you want the rest of the books, email one of us. We'll get them out to you. I told you about the podcast. And lastly, we have a private Facebook group. There's a few hundred people in there now. 600. 600, something yeah. like that. Uh, this is a private group, though. So, like, it will ask you, like, who are you? Where are you from? What's your practice? Just put your school for your practice. If you want to get in there, we'll let you in. Uh, and it's a cool forum and chit-chat and a lot of cool doctors in there that would happily help you on your practice ownership journey alongside with us. So uh, I know we ran late. I hope this was good, though. I hope it was worth the time. Uh, and that's enough talking from us. And thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about HIP or any of the topics in this episode, send an email to hello at hipcreativeinc.com. That's hello at hipcreativeinc.com. Or jump over to our website at hip.agency.